And Rhino, he's not even an issue. I don't sweat Rhino. Rhino's got him set up on the rope right here. Happy New Year and welcome back to the Rhino Wrestling Review brought to you by our friends at ProWrestling.com. 2020 is over. We thankfully turned the page to a new year, 2021. But we cannot do that without going back and looking at the year that was in 2020. And that means, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the fifth annual Rhino Wrestling Review Golden Horn Awards. Thank you for being with me here again. I'm your host, Dan Rhino, brought to you by our friends at ProWrestling.com. And what a year it was in 2020. And we've done the Golden Horn Awards. Like I said, this is the fifth time we have done them where we look back at the year previous and hand out some awards that some wrestlers and some talents probably want to receive and some that they probably don't so much. So we are going to run the gamut here of awards, good and bad. And this year, it was all about you. This year, I had only one vote out of the 376 total votes votes that we, we received, my vote meant just as much as your vote. Uh, it was There was no kind of weighting of the votes uh, this year as in years past. Uh, it was all about you. And we asked you uh, to vote on ProWrestling.com. We sent the link out. We tweeted it. And we got a very, like I said, a very good response. Thank you, everybody who participated. 376 total votes in the categories that we put out there. Uh, Some of you uh, even did some write-in votes, which I appreciate. But I think for the majority of the votes here, we are going to have a clear and concise winner decided by you, the listeners and the fans and the supporters of the Rhino Wrestling Review, brought to you by our friends at ProWrestling.com, of course. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it with News Story of the Year. The nominees are... Hashtag Speaking Out, Death of Hanakamura, Death of Shad Gaspart, Death of Brody Lee, COVID-19's Effect on Pro Wrestling, Black Wednesday, the WWE's Mass Firings, and Unionization Talk Heats Up. In third place, judging by your votes here, out of 376 total... We had 45 votes for hashtag speaking out, 96 votes for the death of Brody Lee, but 150 votes, the winner for News Story of the Year. COVID-19's effect on pro wrestling. 
Now, uh, the death of Brody Lee got a lot of votes because of how out of nowhere it was, how young Brody was, and how sad it was that Brody had finally gotten away from WWE, buried in the muck there with no direction. He went to AEW, proved that he could be a single star, a champion, and a main event player, and then he's gone. I mean, so sad, so unexpected. But there was no bigger story in the entire world this year than COVID-19, and as a byproduct of that, COVID's impact on the pro wrestling scene. AEW Revolution was the last major public wrestling event. And I was there in the house that day, lucky enough to have been there. But just several weeks later, the world seemed to shut down. Just three weeks after that, my wife and I tested positive for COVID, and it's been life-altering for us as we deal with these long-hauler systems. My wife uh, with her new heart issues, me with my... Uh, digestive issues and the st still dealing with the loss of smell and taste and and still dealing with uh, some neurological issues but COVID and pro wrestling I mean COVID ended touring of AEW and WWE it shut down New Japan for a long time it effectively halted independent promotions abilities to run profitable shows due to venue limitations social distancing etc it gave us Raw and SmackDowns from the Performance Center, and later, the dreaded Thunderdome with the piped-in crowd noise and the fans told when to cheer and boo. And AEW has probably done the best of dealing with the pandemic. I mean, they have a wonderful outdoor venue in Daly's Place. They've even started to have some fans in attendance. It's an outdoor setting. They have socially distanced pods. They mask or require temperature checks at the door. But could this be the end of touring for WWE? They've been super profitable during the pandemic when most companies around the world, big and small, are struggling to survive. They might not want to tour anymore. Why deal with the headache and the costs of taking trucks and satellite equipment and ring crews and talent all around the country, all around the world? I mean, this could be Vince McMahon's dream scenario. I make a ton of money. I can control what the crowd says. I don't have to deal with the headache of traveling around the world. I control every sense of this narrative here. So COVID-19 could have long-term consequences, either positive or negative, however you want to look at it, in the pro wrestling world, particularly for WWE, as they may just change their entire model. I don't really see AEW changing that. I think AEW still wants to to take the show still wants to take Dynamite live to different markets because I think you get the benefit of those different crowds very much the opposite effect of having it at Daly's Place every week or Impact doing it at the Impact Zone every week WWE doesn't matter though they may, they may never have fans again they may just have the Thunderdome forever who knows maybe they'll set up something in, in Connecticut in a, in a warehouse there and just produce all their TV from there. Who knows? But new story of the year, COVID-19's effect on pro wrestling. And that takes us to the next category. Maybe not one that you want to receive. Head Scratcher of the Year. The nominees are... The Lana Rusev Lashley Liv Morgan story. Goldberg defeats The Fiend and wins the Universal title. Le Dinner Debonair... AEW continues Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara after Hardy's concussion. 
the retribution invasion angle. Seth Rollins removes Rey Mysterio's eye. Raw underground and Cody Rhodes neck tattoo. In third place with 80 votes, we had AEW continuing Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara after Hardy's concussion. In second place with 99 votes, Goldberg defeats The Fiend and wins the Universal title. But the winner of Head Scratcher of the Year... One hundred and sixteen votes. This one was pretty close, but the winner, if you want to call it a winner, is Cody Rhodes' neck tattoo. I saw Cody at a panel at C2E2 a day before AEW Revolution, which is about three weeks before the world ended. It was hot in the auditorium, but Cody came out with a big scarf on, and I thought I could kind of see something underneath the scarf. And I, and I said to my buddy Dougie Wrestling from the STF Underground podcast, ProWrestling.com, I said, it looks like there's hiding something. There's something underneath there. Could have been a hickey. But the next night, he unveiled his ridiculously large neck tattoo at Revolution. It is, I agree with you guys, it is way too big. It's in an odd place, but I am surprised by how upset you guys were about this with this sheer number of votes. Like, you're like you're taking the neck tattoo seriously, guys, or personally. I think you are supposed to take it seriously, even though it's a little ridiculous. I think you're taking it personally. For me, I was caught way more off guard and weirded out by Goldberg winning the Universal title from The Fiend in Saudi Arabia. Especially after they had presented the Fiend as this unbeatable creature who felt no pain. I mean, why build Bray up so high and make him look so strong just to beat him in a short, crappy match? That was the one with the worst jackhammer in the history of pro wrestling where Bray Wyatt kind of deadweighted, which he does a lot. He deadweights people a lot. He deadweighted a 50-something-year-old man and couldn't get him up for the jackhammer and kind of just looked like a like a judo hip toss oh man uh why build bray up so high make him look so strong just to beat him in a short crappy match by a 50 plus year old part-timer i mean just classic wwe backing a horse and then pulling the rug out from under them when they don't immediately move the needle they did the same thing with otis this year which we're going to talk about i think in our next award but the winner for Head Scratcher of the Year, Cody Rhodes, Neck Tattoo. Let's go to another award that you might not want to get. Overrated Wrestler of the Year. The nominees are... The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. Braun Strowman, Otis. Nia Jax, Chris Jericho, Orange Cassidy, and Kenny Omega. In third place with 74 votes, Braun Strowman. In second place with 95 votes, Otis. And the winner for Overrated Wrestler of the Year with 101 votes. It was very close. Only a separation of six votes out of 376. The winner or loser of Overrated Wrestler of the Year is...
Nia Jax with 101 votes. Guys, this one was a nail-biter. I thought Otis or Braun would get the nod because both have been positioned as top guys for some reason. Braun because he's big, Otis because he's overweight, and Vince McMahon likes making fun of fat people. You give Braun the title over Goldberg at WrestleMania, and he goes on to have some of the worst matches of the year against The Fiend and everyone else he's in the ring with. You put the money in the bank on Otis, give him the hottest woman in the company on his arm, put him on Team SmackDown at Survivor Series. Then you realize you made a horrible mistake. You put the Money in the Bank briefcase on The Miz because even The Miz is more credible than Otis at this point. But Nia Jax gets the nod here with your votes, probably in the same vein as those other two. Overrated in wrestling generally means that you are positioned as a top guy or a top gal, but you show zero reason why you should be in that position. And that definitely applies to Braun, Otis, and Nia. She got eliminated from both Royal Rumbles. They put her in both, gave her a big spot, means that you have huge plans or huge confidence in her. She tagged with Tamina for a while, the most uninteresting duo ever in the history of pro wrestling. She hurt people in the ring being unsafe. She hurt Kyrie Sane backstage being unsafe. She wins the tag team titles with Shayna Baszler, forming the second most uninteresting duo ever in the history of pro wrestling. She puts Lana through a table eight weeks in a row. She's just doing lower mid-card garbage, but she's pretended as a top star just because she's related to The Rock. So Nia Jax, according to your votes, in a nail-biter, most overrated wrestler of the year. Let's keep the bad vibes going, ladies and gentlemen, and let's talk about worst match of the year. The nominees are... Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt, WWE Money in the Bank. Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt, WWE SummerSlam. Brock Lesnar versus Ricochet, WWE Super Showdown. The Knockouts Rumble, Impact Slammiversary. Ken Shamrock versus Eddie Edwards, Impact Bound for Glory. Bobby Lashley versus Slapjack, WWE Hell in a Cell. Third place with 47 votes, Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt, WWE Money in the Bank. Second place with 125 votes, Brock Lesnar versus Ricochet, WWE Super Showdown. But first place with 162 votes, your worst match of the year is... Bobby Lashley versus Slapjack at WWE Hell in a Cell. With 162 votes, not much to say about this one. The terribly one-sided feud between the Hurt Business and Retribution led to a last-minute U.S. title match at Hell in a Cell. Shelton Benjamin actually picked Slapjack as the opponent for some reason. I'm not sure what the storyline reason behind that was or why that needs to be on a pay-per-view. But Lashley beats the hell out of Slapjack until Slapjack hits the crappiest dropkick in the history of pro wrestling. Doesn't know what to do after that to get heat on the babyface Lashley, who I guess was the working babyface here. Lashley comes back, beats the crap out of Slapjack, and how in the world is this a title match on a pay-per-view? But after the match, it got even better because Retribution comes out to jump Lashley... And before the Hurt Business can even rescue Lashley and chase off the heels, Bobby's already beat the shit out of the entire Retribution cast. 
So this is a microcosm. This is just a small example of how bad the retribution invasion and storyline has been. Maybe the worst invasion angle of all time. But again, your worst match of the year as voted on by the fans and listeners of the Rhino Wrestling Review, Bobby Lashley versus Slapjack at WWE Hell in a Cell. Let's go on to uh, more positive categories. Let's go on to something that you would actually want to win. Let's, let's, let's bring up the morale here on the Rhino Wrestling Review and ProWrestling.com. Let's talk about Underrated Wrestler of the Year. The nominees are... Sami Zayn, Scorpio Sky, John Silver, Kyle O'Reilly, Hikaru Shida, Rohit Raju, Ace Austin, The Walking Weapon, Josh Alexander, Sammy Guevara, and Jonathan Gresham. In third place, with 45 votes, John Silver. In second place, with 49 votes, Sami Zayn. But first place in a runaway winner, he had more votes than the two and three top vote getters combined with 109 votes your choice for underrated wrestler of the year is Kyle O'Reilly Kyle O'Reilly is the ultimate utility man for NXT he is great in every role you put him in and some, unfortunately, sometimes versatility makes it so you don't have the spotlight always focused on you. Kind of like a uh, MLB player who's very good at multiple positions. Sometimes he won't make the all-star team because he doesn't play one position for enough games. If he plays 50 games at shortstop, 50 games at second base, 50 games at, at third base, and 10 games at first, where do you... Give him the gold glove if he's great everywhere. Which which position do you do that? And that's kind of where we're at with Kyle O'Reilly. Kyle O'Reilly as underrated is a very good adjective for him. He started the year as tag team champs in NXT with Bobby Fish. Later in the year, he wins a gauntlet eliminator over four other men for the right to challenge Finn Balor for the NXT title. He loses that match to Finn in October, but proves in the process that he can have an in-ring classic with anybody. Then, to prove his versatility more, he has an incredible ladder match with Pete Dunne the next month. He wins the War Games match for the Undisputed Era team in November. Then he defeats Pete Dunne in a rematch to earn the right to challenge Balor again for the NXT title, uh, which took place just last week. He was unsuccessful, but... Again, put on an early match of the year candidate that we're still going to be talking about come December. Hopefully next year we will not be talking about Kyle O'Reilly as underrated. We will be talking about him as a main event singles star in NXT and maybe even a champion. Let's keep the positive vibes going with moment of the year. The nominees are... Edge returns at the Royal Rumble. Tetsuya Naito wins double gold at Wrestle Kingdom. Sting debuts at AEW Winter is Coming. Kenny Omega appears on Impact Wrestling. The Undertaker retires following the Boneyard match at WrestleMania. 
Drew McIntyre eliminates Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. And Io Shirai's trash can dive at NXT TakeOver War Games. In third place, with 15 votes, Naito wins double gold at Wrestle Kingdom. In second place, with 38 votes, Sting debuts at AEW at Winter is Coming. And it wasn't even close, ladies and gentlemen. With 267 votes, Edge returns at the Royal Rumble is your moment of the year for 2020. Not even close on this one. There, It was rumored that Edge may be returning to the ring at some point last year, apparently having recovered from his previously thought career-ending injuries. But we didn't know for sure. You know, there's so much rumor and conjecture in pro wrestling but the crowd lost their collective minds once they heard, you think you know me. The pop for his return was so huge that it drowned out his theme song. In fact, I can't do it justice. Let's listen to that pop from the Royal Rumble 2020 Edge returning for your moment of the year. Who's it gonna be? You think you know me? No way! Oh my! You gotta be kidding me! The rated R superstar! Edge is here! Lasted to the final four, which made the return even more special. Had a couple of excellent matches with Randy Orton afterward. Unfortunately got hurt again, but definitely one of the greatest Royal Rumble moments in history. One of the greatest wrestling returns of all time. Surprises are so rare in wrestling, and this one fit the bill. It is your runaway winner for moment of the year, Edge returning at the Royal Rumble. Next category that we have on the docket here, Breakout Star of the Year. The nominees are... Ricky Starks, Pat McAfee, Kyle O'Reilly, Orange Cassidy, Raquel Gonzalez, Jay Uso, Chris Bay, Rohit Raju, Bianca Belair, and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. In third place with 41 votes... Ricky Starks. In second place with 71 votes, Pat McAfee. And ladies and gentlemen, we have another one that wasn't even close. Your winner for Breakout Star of the Year with 157 of the votes. Orange Cassidy. Runaway win for Orange Cassidy. 
came into AEW as an independent gimmick that I was just moderately familiar with, a lot of people were unsure of how he would fit in the company. Would he always be a comedy, undercard, attraction guy? But he really had his coming out party at AEW Revolution in February, and so glad that match was in front of a live crowd because the responses to Orange and responses to the frustrated Pack in that match needed to be in front of a live crowd. And Pack went over, but Orange got over and became a star and someone who proved that he can keep up in the ring with one of the best in-ring workers in the company. Orange had a lot of success in six-man matches with the best friends, Chuck and Trent, including several wins over the Inner Circle last year. But the real march to being Breakout Star of the Year happened with his loss to Chris Jericho at Fighter Fest in July. Again, Orange proved that he didn't need to win to get over. And he and Jericho also proved that they have amazing chemistry together. This led to one of the more prominent AEW feuds of the year, and Orange snuck a quick win, but the biggest win of his career against Jericho on the August 12th Dynamite, leading to the Mimosa Mayhem match at All Out. As Orange defeated Jericho, threw him into a vat of mimosa, and officially won the feud, officially earning his place as a star in AEW. The TNT Championship loss to Brody Lee was way better than I expected it to be. Orange also went to a time limit draw with Cody for the TNT Championship, then lost in the Lumberjack rematch, but he doesn't always need to win to get over it. And that is the sign of a breakout star. You, If you have somebody go on a Goldberg run of 174-0, you can make anybody into a, a star if they never lose. They never put their, their shoulders to the mat. They never tap out. They, they Nothing ever happens to them negatively. But if you got a guy that can go out there and he doesn't have to win every time and he can still get over that's a breakout star right there. Orange Cassidy, overwhelmingly your pick for breakout star of the year. Let's move to event of the year. The nominees are... AEW Revolution. New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 14. WrestleMania 36. AEW All Out. AEW Full Gear. WWE Royal Rumble. NXT TakeOver Portland, and Impact Slammiversary. In third place, with 68 votes, NXT TakeOver Portland. In second place, with 90 votes, AEW Full Gear. And this was a close one, but first place with 109 votes. The last show I was at before the world came crashing down AEW Revolution is your pick for event of the year man what a night what a card what an atmosphere that weekend in conjunction with C2E2 in Chicago like I said I was there with my buddy Doug E Wrestling from the STF Underground podcast and the only stinker on the Revolution card was Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander which was a two-star affair by as rated by our buddy Dave Meltzer and, you know, that, that one unfortunately had to follow Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks, which we're going to talk about here in a second with a different category. This card was amazing. 
Jake Hager and, and Dustin Rhodes was really hard-hitting and fun to, to open up the card. Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara was was short, but super entertaining and athletic. Uh, we'll talk about, like I said, the AEW Tag Team title match in more detail in a bit. Personally, it was the best tag team match I've ever seen, live or on TV. We had the culmination of the big MJF-Cody feud on this card, an incredibly entertaining Pack versus Orange Cassidy match that caught a lot of people by surprise with how engaging of a personality Orange is. And I was worried Pack wouldn't mesh with Orange's comedic style, but it somehow worked. And it won over a lot of people in the process. It's the first time we ever really saw him try. Then, of course, the crowning of John Moxley as the second ever AEW champion in the main event with a win over Jericho in a super well-told match. The story that they were telling there is that Moxley had been wearing the eye patch leading up to Revolution and then about halfway through the match, or kind of a little over halfway, kind of the climax of the match, Moxley reveals that his eye is just fine. He can see perfectly out of both of them. And Moxley leaves AEW Revolution as the AEW World Heavyweight Champion to a huge eruption, a huge uh, reception from the crowd. The, the crowd wanted it. Jericho did a great job of making it feel like a big fight feel. I think that was the uh, same card where he had the choir come out and sing Judas before he came to the ring. Just amazing and made even more amazing, I think, by the fact that we haven't been able to have big events like that with crowds like that since then. So hopefully we can have those again in 2021. But your vote for 2020 Rhino Wrestling Review, Golden Horn Event of the Year, AEW Revolution. We have got four awards left. They are the big ones, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about Tag Team of the Year. The nominees are... Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Bailey and Sasha Banks. FTR. The North. The Young Bucks. The Foundation, Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham. The Street Profits, and The New Day. In third place with 40 votes, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. In second place with 72 votes, The Street Profits. And in first place... FTR with 118 votes. FTR was stuck in WWE Purgatory this year choosing not to re-sign their contracts, but instead fulfilling them to the end. Lots of silly stuff toward the end of their run, including the Miracle on 34th Street fight, at, which was technically at the end of 2019. Had a lot of dark matches. They were put in eight-man tags. They had zero victories in under the WWE banner as the Revival in 2020. They debut on AEW Dynamite in the late spring. No longer they, the revival. They are FTR, and they go on a crazy run. They beat the Butcher and the Blade. They beat SCU. They beat the Lucha Bros. They beat the Best Friends. They beat Private Party. And September 5th, they take the tag titles from Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, who had held those titles for nine months. I love the addition of Tully Blanchard to the crew. It mirrors the old-school presentation of FTR, who have said on many occasions that they take a lot of 
inspiration from Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. I loved the weekly challenges that they would do on Dynamite. They are old school, but they also prove they can keep up and mesh with the high flyers and the thrill seekers of the AEW roster, as is evidenced by their long-awaited dream match with the Young Bucks, which did not disappoint. It was nominated for Match of the Year here, and the loss to the Bucks in that match was their only pinfall defeat in AEW, and also PWI's Tag Team of the Year for their evaluation period. So you guys have chosen FTR as your Tag Team of the Year, overwhelmingly. We got three categories left. Let's go to Match of the Year. The nominees are... The Men's War Game Match at NXT TakeOver War Games. Tetsuya Naito versus Okada at Wrestle Kingdom 14. Kenny Omega versus Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom 14. Walter versus Dragunov, NXT UK Television. FTR versus The Young Bucks, AEW Full Gear. Takahashi versus Will Ospreay, Wrestle Kingdom 14. Okada versus Kota Ibushi, Wrestle Kingdom 14. And Adam Page and Kenny Omega versus The Young Bucks at AEW Revolution. In third place, we had Walter versus Dragunov, NXT UK Television with 43 votes. In second place, FTR versus The Young Bucks at Full Gear with 60 votes. But your overwhelming favorite, the one that you picked by far with 188 votes, the winner for Match of the Year. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks at AEW Revolution. And if you notice, the Young Bucks were in the top two spots here. But the match at Revolution was a six-star affair, as rated by our buddy Dave Meltzer. We knew it would be good, but I honestly thought that it was going to delve into a spot fest, which would be something that would be cool to see, but something that we would soon forget about because we see it so much. But it turned out to be a night and a match that I will never forget. The Bucks, when they want to, can tell a great story in the ring. They don't have to be just spot, 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 like when they wrestled Private Party. And the Bucks were working heel for the majority of this match and delved into more heelish stuff as the, as the match went on. And I kept expecting, leading up to it, and I kept expecting at the match here that either Paige or Omega was going to turn on one another, but it didn't happen. This was a long match that didn't feel long at all. And like I said, storytelling was great in the match. The Bucks using the golden trigger. Even after the match, the reluctant respect that they had in the ring for one another. They didn't didn't just hug like everything was okay. It was believable. These guys had beat the crap out of each other and, and went the extra mile in order to win those AEW Tag Team Championships. And there shouldn't just be a big hug at the end as if nothing happened. When you get in a fight with your brother and it's a knockdown drag out affair, you don't just automatically hug and just go off and like nothing happened. There's a little bit of bad blood there. It takes a little while for you to calm down. So I think that that made it even more believable. Like I said, it, it wasn't just the spots. The spots were great, but there was psychology here. And the Bucks, when they want to do it, can do it. It's just that most of the time they don't want to. They want to get their shit in. But in the match with FTR... They were forced to to have psychology. In the match with Hangman 
and Kenny Omega, they were forced to have psychology. It had to happen to make the match work and to make it memorable. And we will ne- I will never forget this match. This is the best tag team match that I have ever seen on television or live or otherwise. It was the overwhelming winner, like I said, with 188 votes out of 376. You guys picked Hangman Page and Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks at AEW Revolution as your 2020 match of the year. We got two categories left, and they're the big ones. Let's go to Female Wrestler of the Year. The nominees are Sasha Banks, Io Shirai, Bailey, Hikaru Shida, Thunder Rosa, Charlotte Flair, Diana Perrazzo, and Asuka. In third place, with 63 votes, Asuka. In second place, with 78 votes, Thunder Rosa. And first place, it wasn't even close. We got another runaway winner with 141 votes. Your choice for Female Wrestler of the Year is... Bailey. Bailey held the SmackDown women's title for nearly the entire calendar year, defending it 13 times. In addition to that, she had a three-month reign as tag champs with Sasha Banks before their breakup and subsequent awesome matches between the two. I was not sure about heel Bailey at the beginning, but empty arena, pandemic, Sasha Banks, Bailey was some of the most ent- entertaining stuff we saw in 2020. When they were together and they would come out and do commentary, it was must-watch television. When they would come out and even cut a promo, it was must-watch television. It was times that you did not want to fast-forward because you knew it was going to be super entertaining. When Bailey was in an empty arena and she could hear everything that the announcers were saying and she would have somebody in a abdominal stretch and she would just be yelling back at at the announcers uh, because she could hear every word they were saying and she would say, no, that's not true, that's not true, you're making stuff up, you're lying. It was so entertaining, it was making the best of a bad situation with the pandemic and Bailey thrived in that environment. So she is your overwhelming pick for Female Wrestler of the Year, congratulations to Bailey. And it all comes down to this. The final award, the 2020 Rhino Wrestling Review Golden Horn Awards brought to you by our friends at ProWrestling.com. It's the big one. It's Male Wrestler of the Year. The nominees are... Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, John Moxley, Kenny Omega, Tetsuya Naito, Adam Cole, Kazuchika Okada, Kota Ibushi, and Will Ospreay. In third place, with 94 votes, Roman Reigns. In second place, with 97 votes, Drew McIntyre. And we had a very close three-horse race here, but the winner of Male Wrestler of the Year for 2020, as chosen by you, the fans of the Rhino Wrestling Review, with 124 votes, is... Moxley! 
Mox started the year at New Japan Wrestle Kingdom winning the IWGP United States title from Lance Archer in a Texas death match on night one. Then he defended the title against Juice Robinson successfully on night two. Defended that same title against Minoru Suzuki in February. But his big moment came at that AEW Revolution show that we've been talking so much about today. February 29th in Chicago beating Chris Jericho to become the AEW heavyweight champ and king of the mountain in all elite wrestling. He held the title for almost 10 months. He defended it against the likes of, let's see, Jake Hager, Brody Lee, uh, Brian Cage, Darby Allin, MJF, Eddie Kingston, Lance Archer, uh, Eddie Kingston again in an I Quit match before dropping the title to Kenny Omega on December 2nd. John Moxley was the workhorse of WWE when he was there. As Dean Ambrose, he is the workhorse of AEW as well. Also the PWI Wrestler of the Year for their evaluation period. And the Male Wrestler of the Year here for the Rhino Wrestling Review Golden Horn Awards. As we talk about 2020, the year that was John Moxley as chosen by you. 124 votes as your wrestler of the year and like I said it was a three-horse race it was very close Roman Reigns probably doing the best work of his career as a heel with Paul Heyman he actually makes Smackdown certain segments of it palatable uh, Drew McIntyre had the biggest year of his career too, winning the Royal Rumble defeating Brock Lesnar at Wrestlemania uh, carrying that title for the majority of 2020, losing it briefly to Randy Orton, but gaining it back. Uh, having that big matchup with Roman Reigns at Survivor Series. But unfortunately, Drew McIntyre kind of suffered from the, the pandemic and the fact that we didn't have fans in the stands to kind of make this run even more meaningful and kind of upvote it to another level. So hopefully... Drew will continue a successful run in 2021 because I think he's doing a very good job. He's a very believable champion. He's a babyface, but he's not overly a bubblegum babyface, if that makes sense. I think that he's presented as a badass, and I think that that is a as long as they can keep that aura around him. I think, and I think there's money in that Roman Reigns rematch as well because of the the screwy way it ended. Uh, great match that was uh, had a poorly booked finish. Uh, that's why we need Pat Patterson around. Uh, Pat Patterson, who we lost last year, one of the best finish guys in the in the history of pro wrestling. So uh, hopefully they will uh, honor Pat at the uh, Royal Rumble this month because that was his creation as well. Hopefully they'll have a nice little uh, thing for Pat Patterson. But it is not Roman Reigns. It is not Drew McIntyre. It is John Moxley, your male wrestler of the year, as chosen by you the fans and listeners of the Rhino Wrestling Review. Thank you to everybody for sticking with us uh, through this pandemic. Thank you to everybody for listening, downloading, and subscribing, whether you listen on ProWrestling.com or whether you listen on your favorite podcast platform. Um, if you don't hear from me in a couple of weeks, that's because I am making appearances on our Brethren show 
at ProWrestling.com. Uh, I've become a regular contributor to the STF Underground podcast with Doug E. Wrestling. So you will not hear me on there every week, but I would say uh, more than 50% of the time if you tune into the STF Underground podcast on Fridays when it drops on ProWrestling.com and your favorite podcast platforms, you will hear me on there as well. So uh, there will be some weeks where you will not hear me here on the Rhino Wrestling Review, but that's because I'm on STF Underground, and I don't want you to get sick of me. I don't want to be pushed down your throat like the babyface Roman Reigns. I want to be the cool heel Roman Reigns that you actually want to hear from and that you actually want to see. But thanks, everybody. For spreading the word, downloading, listening, and subscribing. 2020 sucked, but 2021's gotta be better, right? Or are those famous last words? Either way, my last words for you today are the same ones I give to you at the end of every show. Don't kick out of each other's finishers, and I will see you when I see you. It's the R to the Y, N to the O, on a block like a tortoise with a slow, on a block like a baker cause I'm picking up my dough, and when I'm in the booth like I'm cooking up a O.